0: we're piggybacking off of last week's message about church family. And today we're going to talk about children. Next week we're going to talk about fathers. And then on Mother's Day, Sunday morning, May 10th, we're going to talk about mothers as well. And we have to remember sometimes when we're preaching or thinking about the Word of God that when we talk about children, we're not just talking about little ones. You know, I've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old, and it's easy for me to jump into that mindset of little bitty kids. But we are all kids uh, that are here today. If you're alive, you have parents, uh, biological parents. Uh, We're also children of the living God, and uh, we're thankful for that as well. And so uh, to begin with, I just want to remind you that we're talking about little children. Jesus commended them for their faith in Scripture, but we're also talking about adult children as well. I was so thankful yesterday that my mom and stepdad uh, came up to our house from Greenwood and gave Jennifer and I several hours out of the house where we just got to go and drive around call in some food, sit in our car, eat it, have some time together. And I'm thankful for my parents. I'm their child, but they were really interested in seeing their grandchildren, right? And so uh, we, we enjoyed our time together where we got to give our children away to my parents for a little while. And, and the whole cycle works well when it works that way. But um, Brother Ben started us out with a joke. I want to start us out with a joke as well to remind us in, in thinking about adult children. And so there was a couple that was going out for the evening and the last thing that they did was to put their cat out of the house so he wouldn't stay in the house. And so the husband was putting the cat out. The wife was going to go ahead and get in the taxi. Uh, they called a the taxi in that evening so that they didn't have to worry about anything. And uh, the cat runs back in the house. So the husband goes back inside the house to chase it out. And the wife didn't want the taxi driver to know. That the house was going to be empty. So she told the taxi driver, she said, oh, he's just going back in to check on my mom. Well, the husband goes back into the house, and he's gone for a little while. He runs upstairs, and a few minutes later, the husband gets back into the taxi and says, I'm sorry it took so long. That crazy thing was hiding under the bed, and I had to use a coat hanger to poke her to get her out. And so the taxi driver, of course, thinks, you know. So we all think about this, guys, in life, and we have crazy lives. I mean, there is dysfunction. Sometimes people, what I used to say when I was a kid is our family put the fun in dysfunctional, right? We, none of us, have a perfect family. All of us have crazy in our family, and we admit that for real. Even as believers, uh, it gets silly and and out of control sometimes, and we deal with life. And sometimes you just have to laugh at life, but sometimes it brings us to tears. What we want to talk about today is children, okay, how we can act as parents or grandparents parents and how we as children can respond to our parents and to our Lord as well. And so we'll just begin with this. Jesus called the little children to come to him. We know that he did this more than one time and he highlights the simplicity and the honesty of their faith. And one of the most prominent traits that Jesus was exalting when he was Holding these little children on his knee and speaking to his disciples was their humility and their teachable nature. Uh, a child is completely dependent. You know, not always humble. Sometimes um, their their behavior is a little reprehensible. They're they're indignant. They talk back. They act well, but for the most part, children. As Jesus commended them, were humble, that they were teachable in nature. And we're to become like these little children, Jesus said, in the way that we approach the Lord, in the way that we think, and in our faith towards Jesus. You know, it says in Scripture that we're to have the faith of a little child, something that's just so uh, devoted to and dependent upon our Heavenly Father. We know that God created the family. He designed the family. He had an intention for the family. And that design and intention still holds true today. A family unit set in God's sight was meant all along to be one man and one woman who married for life, who, were, if they were able to conceive, would raise children to know and honor him. God also uses adoption as a healthy model for how children may enter a family as we are adopted, children of God. Even though we're joint heirs, we are grafted into this tree, we are called children of God through our personal faith in Jesus Christ. And so we use God's holy word, the Bible, uh, as a guide for our living. It has so much to say about not only our spiritual lives, but our practical living as well. And so what I want to share with you this morning are seven ways that the Bible is teaching us that we can be good children, that we can raise good children, godly children. And number one is simply this, children are a part of God's creative plan. Genesis chapter one, from the very beginning, God mentions this and he, he continues this pattern and theme all throughout scripture. It says, God blessed them, Genesis 128. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. After God created Adam and Eve, he commanded that they be fruitful. That is to have children, to reproduce, to fill the earth, to populate the world. And he also says that this is the original design. This original design for families includes children. Whether they're uh, biological or adopted children, kids were never an afterthought to God. Everything about creation was pronounced good, including his design for children. And so children are a part of this creative process and this redemptive plan of God in our world today. We all know that. Number two... Children are gifts from God to families, and sometimes we we stop and think man uh, children aren't always uh, a blessing, it seems like. In fact, our world really adopts this attitude that children sometimes just become an inconvenience. They're a hassle. That uh, this idea of abortion can happen if we don't want the necessary um, responsibilities of having a child, that uh, a child can be aborted, a fetus can be aborted. I'm telling you guys this, and you know this, that from the moment of conception, a child is a child. As soon as that happens, man, as soon as... listen. God has called us into this idea of marriage. Marriage is this consensual thing that we're to uh, uh, enter into holy matrimony. Underneath the idea of God, it's a covenant between a man and a woman. And and I'm not speaking anything outside of scripture, even though some people will get very angry at me for saying just this very thing that the Bible teaches us. I'm telling you this, that God designed marriage between a husband and wife. And as adults, You can engage in a consensual sexual relationship, but that's not God's plan. How it was described to me in college uh, from my campus minister was this. He said, uh, sex and marriage is a lot like fire in a fireplace, and I've probably used this analogy here at church before. He said, though, that fire in its essence is a great thing. Man, it's, it's just, you ever lit a campfire or you have lit a fire in your fireplace and you can just watch it for hours. It's comforting, it's calming, it has a, a, an effect of bringing heat and light into a room. Uh, it's just a great thing, and so that's how God designed marriage. Mar- a Sexual relationship is Designed within marriage is god 's plan. a fire that 's lit and kept inside of the fireplace inside of its proper confines is a beautiful thing. But if you take that fire out of the fireplace and you even put just an ember on the carpet, uh, destruction can happen very quickly and that 's what happens sometimes with sex outside of marriage is that when that happens, there are all kinds of results that can occur from that, and including children and and, and we know that we 're all adults here, but when we do that and we don 't use protection or don't stand underneath God's protection and his design for marriage sometimes things happen We've got to be very careful with it. And and children aren't some um, thing that we should try to shoo out of the way. You know, uh, when I was a youth pastor years ago at First Baptist Alma and at Chibley Baptist Church, uh, you know, I I began to realize how many grandparents today are raising their grandchildren as their own children. And that's no knock. that's That's a beautiful thing on grandparents that are able to do that. But as parents, it's our responsibility to take the progeny and the offspring, the heirloom that God has given us, and to love those babies and to not look at them as an inconvenience. Sometimes through death or other means, through incarceration, through some things that happen in life... we are caused to do things that we wouldn't necessarily do. I want to applaud and and recognize single mothers and single fathers because you're doing a terrific, tremendous job. Uh, God didn't design it necessarily that way, but again, it's not always our plan. Through divorce, through death, through other unforeseen circumstances, sin has affected our world and changed things. And so we want to really talk about this morning, God gives families the gift of children. They're not a hassle. They're not a burden. They are difficult, trust me, but they're a heritage from the Lord. Psalm 127.3 says this, children are indeed a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward from him. That word heritage means to be given a gift, to receive something. It's an honor and a responsibility to be entrusted with a child. We stand beside God to shepherd their growth and development, to advocate for them and to provide for their needs while they're in our care. You know, I really believe this. God has taught me how to be a much holier man and a better child of God through having children of my own. Because he's developing within me patience, forgiveness, grace, mercy, acceptance, all of these things, and showing me all the times that he's born with me, that he has been so long-suffering and patient with me. And I can't imagine what kind of a, a, a problem child I really have been for the Lord throughout my Christian walk, not only as a young person, but as an adult as well. Number three, children need nurture and guidance. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way he or she should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've used this verse a lot of times for wayward children, children that uh, we say, well, I brought them to church, they were raised in Sunday school, and they were raised in vacation Bible school, they were raised with godly morals, we read Bible studies or stories at night, we studied the Bible together as a family, Uh, we did all of these things, and now my child has seemed to... Wander away from the faith, guys. There's a lot of us that deal with that. That are dealing with that right now, and um, it doesn't matter. I mean, I have pastor friends who are. Go- I have a, pa- a seminary professor who's a pastor who was is one of the most godly men that I know. Great father. He he even took me under his wings and invited me into their home. I had dinner with him so many times while I was in seminary, and of children. He had a couple that walked this narrow path, and he had one that wandered from that path. Now, that that young man's come back to the Lord, but it's a period and a process, and it's very trying for us. What do you do with those kids? Do you drag them to church? How how many of y'all were drugged to church as a child? Honk your horn this morning. Uh, You were too, huh? You don't have a horn to honk. A lot of us were, right? Um, and, And here's the deal. Children that were either drugged or brought to church... Uh, sometimes depart from the faith, but also children that aren't forced to come to church uh, when their dependents uh, have also wandered from the faith, and so we walk this tightrope, wondering well, what's best. Um, and I, here's what I think. Okay, this is not uh, necessarily the scriptural reason, but uh, if you if you have a child. That is unable to stay at home that 's unable to drive that 's unable to do all those things uh, and you set the example okay as a mother or father you are to be bringing those children into a place of worship the parents are the ones who set the standard right they're the ones who set this foundational guideline for children they 're demonstrating through their livelihood through their living through their worship through their prayer all of these things and sometimes we get into this thing in church where we separate children from the main assembly of worshipers and, and I don 't always think that's the best idea. I'm so thankful for our children's church and our children's church teachers and our curriculum. But I think at a certain point a child needs to come into the main worship and see how adults worship so that we're setting a model for them to live a godly life. But at the same time, what happens when a child is uh, of a certain age and they say, "No, I'm going to stay at home today. I don't want to go to church. I don't like church. It's boring." Or or I, I don't like the people there or whatever it is. What do we do? And guys, we're really walking through this life in faith together. Some of y'all are are, are raising kids right now that are in that situation. Some of y'all are kids right now that are in that situation. And as parents, we need godly encouragement. We need patience. We need help. Because we've got to remember, too, framing all of this is a God who's seen us that hasn't always walked with him, that hasn't always wanted to do obedience, to always do the right thing, and yet God has never given up on us. Even if you're in a period of life right now where your child says, you know, I don't want to come to church, I don't want to be a part of that, still love them, still encourage them, still season their lives with faith, still give them scriptures, still remind them of answers to prayer. Still ask them if you can pray for them. Still keep doing all the godly things that God has done with you through your voyages and your wanderings and in your detours in life. And so I, I just remind you to do that. Don't give up on them. Don't beat them up because God doesn't always beat us up, but do remind them. And if you can, bring them when they will come. I'm not saying you can force anybody to do anything, but as long as a child is a dependent under your roof, they still have to answer to you just as you have to answer to God. So keep that in mind. Number three, children need nurture and guidance. So this is one I just read, but uh, I used to do a lot of landscaping and gardening. I still do. It's one of my favorite things to do. In fact, I was doing this yesterday, and uh, I went outside to mow. We're spreading gravel. I've got some plants to plant outside in the yard. It was a pretty day. And when I do those things, what I had to do yesterday would have taken me about an hour to get done. But when the boys come out, they take the rocks that I've just spread and put in the perfect place and they start throwing them. They start getting on their little bicycles and tricycles and running down the sidewalk. I have to kill the mower and run after them. It takes a lot longer, two or three times as long, to see a child that uh, is trying to run down or put their head in the, the, the street drain at the end of our sidewalk or chase after a cat or do something crazy. It takes a lot longer. It's distracting. But here's the deal. I have to stop what I'm doing because I have to remember this. The child is more important than anything else. God looks at this world and he says, you, my child, are more important than anything else. You're more important than a virus, a pandemic, a problem, a place. You are why God's heart... And my children should be the same thing for me and for you as well. Your children, they are why God's heart beats. Nothing should be a greater distraction to keep us away from continuing to love and nurture our kids. And as we plant things, certain times gardeners will uh, develop for vines or certain shrubs a trellis or a pole. They're teaching these, they're training these things to to grow up, so that they don't grow chaotically, so that they grow straight up, so that they um, don't wander off course or get out of the necessary place that they're supposed to be. And it's this idea of keeping things in control. Children need structure in their lives. They need it for their physical, emotional, social, and spiritual growth. And this means that we are present in their lives, that we support their growth, that we encourage them through the word, that we develop them, and that we lead them by example. It's very hard. Can you imagine what kind of children we would have grown up to be as, a, as Christians if God were an absentee father? We wouldn't know what to do. We wouldn't know the, the ideal or the example that he was setting for us. And so as fathers and mothers, to nurture and guide our kids, we need to be there. Number four, children need discipline. Proverbs 29, 17 says, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. And I I think that that's one of the ideas that we want. We want the peace. We want our kids to listen and obey and be quiet. Sometimes we don't want to put the disciplinary work into that. There's no question that raising kids and disciplining them is difficult. It takes the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Sometimes that last thing is very difficult for us because when our kids are out of control, our emotions flare, the circumstance seems to uh, really bear down upon us and we can lose control, we can yell, we can react and we have to keep in mind that as we are under control, as the Spirit is working in us, we're raising kids just as the Lord is raising us. Parents who love their kids will discipline them just as God does with you and I. Not harshly but with this goal of leading them in the ways of the Lord. And and here's the purpose of this verse, so that they will become adults and fulfill all that their creator intends for them. Listen, you're not going to buy your child a car when they turn 16. Take them down to the DMV, let them get their license and then just say have at it. Because that would be dangerous, not only for them, but for everybody else on the road. It would be expensive for you, an expensive lesson. It would be scary for the child. You're going to take the time, and and guys, I've seen it in this parking lot right here, where parents have brought their kids into this parking lot just to let them drive around it to learn how to pull into a parking spot or to to hit the brakes or to accelerate or whatever it is. But God intends great things for us. And if we intend those same things for our children, we need to teach them. We need to patiently train them. We need to instruct them. What biblical discipline is proper, consistent discipline. It's done over and over. It's done out of love. It wants to bring the child up in a way that they're doing better. And it's a harvest of righteousness, Hebrews 12, 11 says. But a failure to discipline a child is actually a failure to love biblically. And it can result in needless pain and dishonor for the parent and the child alike. If God didn't discipline us, if he said, you know what, you like that sin so much, you can stay there. God's never said that about us. God says, you like that destructive behavior. You like that addiction. You like like that wrong relationship, you like those bad things so much, I'm going to let you go ahead and enjoy those things. God doesn't say that for us. He wants better for us. He wants his will for us. He wants Christ-likeness and nothing less that for you and I. And so God says, I'm going to make it uncomfortable for you. I'm going to discipline you and chastise you and pull you out of that because I love you so much. I don't want to see you settle. I want to see you rise to the top. I want to see you purified in your life. So God doesn't let us stay in those valleys, and those low places. He may allow us to walk through them for a season to see how horrible they are, but God has an end result to always bring deliverance and uprightness of heart for us. And that's what we desire for our kids as well. Number five, uh, we talk about orphans, children who are displaced, children who live in poverty. These type of children need special care. Zechariah 7.10 says, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Listen, even in good ci- circumstances, children are vulnerable. That's why there are so many people that are predatory, that prey on little kids. They look for the vulnerable ones. You know, that's why there are laws that should be in place to protect our children, even in the places where they go to the restroom, that we should watch out for what our kids are doing, that we as parents need to keep an eye on them, but we also know that there are wolves in this world that are out there to seek and to devour them. And so what about these other children, the ones that live in uh, circumstances of poverty or violence? violence. Kids can suffer even greater harm in those situations. And the Bible singles out orphans for believers to help. You know, very much so. Pure and undefiled religion is this: that we love and care for widows and orphans. Why widows and orphans? As a specific segment of the population that the Lord says that's true relationship with Jesus. Here's why. A widow and an orphan, especially in Jesus's day, could not do anything for themselves they were the most vulnerable of the vulnerable so that if you're going to help a widow or an orphan you're not expecting something in return you're not expecting a repayment for the services rendered you are absolutely doing it because you want to care for them you want to love them and you want to help them and guys that's exactly what God does as he he says guys if you truly love me you're going to love other people especially the most exploited of all just like I've loved you Children who live without fathers or mothers, uh, we need to care for those families and help take care of them. Children living as refugees or strangers in a foreign land, children displaced by conflict or living in extreme poverty are very vulnerable. There's no social or financial safety net for them, no one to provide or nurture their needs. Listen, guys, nurturing is important. We have so many people in this church, talking to Rhonda Trollinger before, talking to Gracia Harrington, uh, the people who teach uh, Awanas and lead Awanas, the people who look out for our kids in Sunday school classes, who lead children's church, who work in our nursery. Uh, Across the board, there are people that want to nurture your children. That's their heart's desire, their calling from God, and they're such an integral part of our body. Uh, God asks his worshipers, you and I, to care for children who are in vulnerable situations. Number six... Children need protection. This goes hand in hand with this. Uh, Numbers 32, 17 says, Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants in this land. Listen, guys, you know this. We live in a land, in a world that's corrupted by evil. Child labor, uh, physical abuse, exploitation, sex trafficking are some of the challenges that kids face today. But also they face uh, trials like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, bullying, uh, gang involvement, all these things. There's lots and lots of stuff, man. We have to keep our kids safe. You have to keep your kids safe, not just physically but online as well because there's people that are out there that are looking to harm them. Now, we remember this, that God is our deliverer from trouble and from our enemies. But we should also protect children from people who seek their harm as an extension of our love for him. God, I love you so much. I want to take care of these kids. Because remember, guys, kids are an inheritance, but they're also very temporary. They are ours for a situation and a season, a life maybe, to take care of. But ultimately, they belong to God. God loves your children more than you love them or ever could love them and He's going to take care of them. He's going to help you take care of them if you'll seek His help first. And so some of us are called even further by God to act as advocates. Some act as foster parents or adoptive parents. You may even become a professional in a child protection organization or program. But whether you're a professional or not, The truth remains that we can all be aware and help protect children in our lives. If you see a wrong done, you should step in, okay? If you see a child that's being neglected, maltreated, abused, that's starving, you should step in. That's the right and godly thing to do. Number seven, children are blessed by God. This goes back to number two where we said that uh, families are blessed by children. Well, children, number seven, are blessed by God. Mark 10, 16, he took the children in his arms. Jesus did. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. In blessing the children, Jesus is showing how much his heart beats towards little ones. You know, a little earlier in Mark chapter chapter 10, uh, Jesus had to rebuke the disciples because people were bringing their kids to Jesus and the disciples were basically saying, get out of here. He doesn't have time for those kids. Those kids aren't important enough to mess with Jesus. Don't you know he's a busy man? And, and the disciples were shooing them away, saying, no, 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 they don't need to be here. This isn't their place. And Jesus turns and he says to his disciples in no uncertain terms, shame on you. And what Jesus is teaching in that moment is that um, these children are his people as well. Uh, the disciples' actions were unkind and unworthy of disciples, but children are never too unimportant to get God's undivided attention. They're never a burden or a hassle to God. Thank God I remember being a teenage kid, and and, 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 and I'm a nobody, and I'm a nothing, and I'm, a, I'm hurting, and 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 here I can turn to my God and ask Him at any point in time. And, and maybe your kids are there, maybe kids that you know in a neighborhood, or maybe kids that you don't know across this world are in situations and seasons where all that they have is to call to God and that God their father in heaven listens to them guys it reminds us that never is a child undesirable because God always desires to bless children in every way children are a gift from God God loves children, little or adult children. He cares deeply for how they're raised. He cares how we are raised and being sanctified. But with any gift, God gives instructions on how that gift is to be used and stewarded. We have God's word to remind us of how to take care of ourselves and how to take care of those that we are held accountable for. How we use and steward the gift matters. How we care for and raise children is no different. Remember, guys, when God was teaching his children, the Israelites, on their exodus voyage from Egypt? He had delivered them. He had led Moses along. He had parted the sea. He had done all these incredible miracles. He had provided manna. Um, he had gone before them with pillar and cloud. He had taken care of his people. He provided for every step of the way. It just is a reminder, first of all, that what God, where God guides, he provides that truth is evident always, but he also told his Israelite people, his children, he's telling us today that we're... We're to continue to provide and remind them of what God has done for us. And what happens is if we neglect a generation and stop telling them about God's love and God's laws, uh, we, we descend into chaos. We go down the hill. We don't go up it. We as a society have seen in our own country, in our old world, a generation that has not been taught and has forgotten about God. We descend into things um, like a rapid decline in morality and honor in holiness and respect and obedience and faithfulness it's the responsibility and privilege of Christians including Christian parents to instill godly values and instruct in righteousness to impart God's truth in every way even if it's painful even if somebody doesn't want to hear it we're still to be truth tellers and gospel bearers to light the light and to show the way um, I'll skip ahead. I have a verse in here, but I want to finish up with you this morning. God doesn't hold off on disciplining us, his children, whether we're older or younger. That expectation shouldn't be lost on us. And I know I've said a couple of things about discipline this morning. But Psalm 94.12 says, Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord the one you teach from your law. That word for discipline comes from the root word for disciple. A disciple is a student or a follower of someone. And our goal as disciple makers, and we're disciples of Jesus, we're followers of Jesus, but our job is also to disciple our children. We're to disciple other people, whether they're family or not, whether they're blood or not. We're to show them the way to Jesus. It's basically one blind beggar showing another blind beggar where to go find the bread. And and guys, we have that responsibility and privilege as believers. And children, I want to say this last word to you this morning. Whether you are an adult parent, whether you're a young parent, whether you have aging parents, generationally, wherever your parents stand, children, all of us, speaking to myself as well, parents are prone to mistakes and sin. We all mess up. We all say the wrong thing sometimes. We all have Peter's problem with sticking our foot in our mouths. We all mess up, man. We all react in anger and in haste. We make poor decisions at times because we're human beings. But guys, as children, we need to remember this about our parents, especially as we approach Mother's Day. Hopefully you see your parents making an effort to practice godliness. Hopefully you see the parent that has sacrificed and provided for you, that they pray about decisions even over you. You should, as a child, thank your parents for their courage, for their selfless sacrifices along the way. Forgive them even as the Lord has forgiven you. No matter your age, you can still practice offering grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. And even us as parents need that. Especially us as parents need that, kids. Remember that. You are Jesus' just as well as we are. And you need to practice the things that God is teaching us. To close we go back to this first verse that we read, Psalm twenty-seven three, that talked about children being a heritage from the Lord. God places each child in a family, and he gives parents guidance on how that child is to be raised according to his standards and his will. God never made a mistake in putting a child with a family, even if your family was messed up or dysfunctional or sinful or poor or whatever it may have been. God didn't make a mistake. He's trying to reach parents. He's trying to reach children alike. The ultimate goal of parenting is to raise children who are wise and who know and honor the Lord God with their lives, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The end result of raising God's children God's way is stated in Proverbs twenty three twenty four: The father or mother of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. Guys, the Lord is calling us to be wise in our decision-making as adults, as parents, as Christians, as believers, and as children as well. And so today, as we approach Mother's Day and we're thinking about this idea of how we honor our mothers, let's also think about how we honor our Heavenly Father. Guys, there are, I am sickened to say, if you've seen results in numbers recently, with kids not having any place to go, they don't have school to go to, listen, out of this parking lot, children are fed every day, families are fed every day. But I'm telling you this, kids don't have a safe place to go. Some kids, the only bread and lunch that they get is the, the meals that they receive at school. Sometimes, uh, especially with working parents, kids don't have any other uh, stimulation in their lives or education than to go to school and to ride the bus home. Listen, what has happened in this moment with this pandemic happening is that the, the number of reported child abuse cases has skyrocketed and gone out of control. Listen, that's not y'all necessarily. Uh, You may have uh, reacted in anger to your kids or done something. But what we need to start doing is being advocates for children and start praying for them, especially children in vulnerable situations because they don't have anybody there. If you can step in, raise your children in the way you should, but also be an advocate, be a brother, be a mentor, be a, a spiritual leader, an assessor of what these kids have going on in their lives and take their problems to the Lord, maybe it will push us in closer to the Lord in prayer. I'll say this, guys. Last thing, this is an announcement. Um, we have a Wana's program that's been severely handicapped and interrupted because of this whole thing. We're having an Awana graduation. It'll probably be a drive through thing in our, in our parking lot here sometime near the end of May. Uh, Ms. Rhonda Trollinger and Nathaniel Caswell and some others have been working on getting that around here. We want to continue to honor our kids for their accomplishments, especially those kids who are reading the Bible, learning Bible verses, learning godly things. And we commend the leaders and the parents that help participate in this and allowing your kids to come to church we're going to honor them uh, whether no matter how we do it one way or another here in a few weeks to do that as well i want to pray for you guys and ask you to pray with me if you would just bow heads close your eyes this is one moment an instance in your life where you can sit behind the wheel and close your eyes okay heavenly father lord uh, we we admit lord I mean, we, we, we fail all the time, whether we're parents, whether we're single, whether we're kids, whether we're grandparents, whatever it is, whatever our, our current situation in life may be. Lord, um, I'm reminded of friends that I have who've had abortions even when they were younger people, and um, they, they regret those decisions, Lord, but your grace was fully extended to them just as it has been for every mistake that we've made. And, 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 and Lord, we pray for our situation as a country that we would love children, that we extend mercy and love just as you have done Uh, for us, Lord God, that we would pray, Lord God, that uh, men and women who come together in a sexual way, that uh, their their coming together results in a a child being created, that they would either put that child up for adoption and that the church would step up in ways to foster and adopt and love and take in those kids to teach them in the ways of godliness and righteousness, or that we would at least uh, step in to help mentor and pray for those, Lord God, that are in great need. We have a responsibility as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord. We're the light in the darkness, and we know that it's darkness and chaos around us. So help us to know how to step in, how to do better, how to love more, how to encourage, how to extend mercy and forgiveness. Don't let us be known by our hatred. Let us be known by our love, Father. We pray, Father, that children today, and I am one, and everybody here is one, whether our parents are living or or past, Lord God, that we would honor them. Lord God, that we would remember uh, that passage in Exodus and the Ten Commandments that we're to honor our father and mother so that it would go well with us, Lord, because there's a promise uh, stipulated in that, Lord, That is, parents today, Lord God, wherever we've failed, however we've squandered some opportunities, Lord God, that you would continue to bless us and help us to, to make the most of those. Forgive us where we failed you. Lord, help us to continue to walk the right way and to grow up and to teach these kids, Lord God. Help us to remember the idea of the trellis and the vine, that you are raising us up, growing us up, so that we can be fruitful and multiply, Lord God, so that we have a desired path to walk, Lord God, and you walk with us in that path. Thank you for this church, God. Thank you for the many, Lord, who aren't even parents, who maybe don't have kids, who can't have kids, who have loved on children and have loved on your people, Lord God. Thank you ultimately for being our Father in heaven, and Lord God, for giving us, being patient and forbearing with us, walking with us, loving us unconditionally, whether in good seasons or bad, and never giving up on us, Father. We love you and we praise you. We ask all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen.